Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. During this really very short three years of his public ministry, and he's calling them this generation in verse 16. It's interesting how certain generations have been tagged with names. You know, for example, there was the lost generation. The lost generation were the people who were born from the years 1880 to 1900. This is the generation they were called lost because there were so many changes that were resulting that they saw this, the Industrial Revolution, they saw the Age of Inventions, they saw the use of the typewriter, and then they also saw some terrible things, some horrible wars, and it left this generation disoriented and shocked, and they were wandering, and they were without overall direction. You know, that was the generation of the throw off all inhibitions and let's go for the roaring 20s, let's just drink liquor so we have to have prohibition. This is the generation of Ernst Hemingway and with his uh, the, um, the Sun Also Rises and with him, this is the generation of the early existentials. This is the generation of Camus. This is the generation of Sartre. This is the generation of Nietzsche. This is the generation of those who, who believed that there was no God and that there was no meaning in life. This is the generation that produced these books and these movies that were the bad guys win. You know, <laughs> it's not the typical westerns of, uh, you know, our age where the good guys win. No, this is a generation where there is no meaning in life. There's no meaning. That's the lost generation. They were born between 1980-1900. And then following them was the generation that was called the greatest generation. They were the ones who were born from 1927. This is a generation that went through the Great Depression. This is the generation that went through the Great First World War. And they went through the, and this is the generation of the GIs that went through the great Second World War. And slowly now we're witnessing the death of the last members of this so-called greatest generation. So these are the names that man has given to generations. 
Now the Lord looks at this generation, looks at his generation, and he calls them this generation. Now, from God's perspective, we could call the greatest generation. So easy for us to read the Bible. We read the Bible, it's like a history of man. We read through one generation to a next generation, and we fail to see sometimes the uniqueness of the generation of the Lord's day. That was a generation that saw what was, that saw many greatest, greatest. That was in a generation that the Lord called this generation, that's a generation we could call the greatest generation. For example, that was a generation that saw the greatest forerunner in history, John the Baptist. The generation that saw, as the Lord put it in uh, verse nine here, verse nine, he said, but went ye out for to see, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet, that was the greatest generation because that was the generation that went out of their cities, went out of their villages to see not just the greatest prophet, but the man who was more than a prophet, John the Baptist. Because John was the great voice in the wilderness telling the people, get ready. The Lord's coming in human form. We know him as Jesus of Nazareth. He's coming. That was the greatest generation because that was the generation that saw the greatest visitor from heaven to earth, the one who was predicted in Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah 7.14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. They saw God come to be with us, the Emmanuel, they saw, and as a matter of fact, he was speaking to the generation in verse 16 when he was asking what analogy should he use to describe that generation and the greatest generation because they saw for three years God who was, John 1, 1, the in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. They saw John 1, 14, John 1, 14. They saw the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, they were the ones who beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was the greatest generation because they saw God in human form. That was the greatest generation because that was the generation that heard God make the greatest invitation to man, the greatest invitation ever made by God to man, the great invitation of Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, to 29, Matthew 11, 28 to 29, where they heard from his lips him say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest unto your souls. That was the generation that heard, that heard from the lips of God, those words come unto me and find rest for your souls. That was the greatest invitation made to man by God because that was an invitation to, for man, find rest, from the soul weight and burden of your life without an eternal purpose that has hell as its final end. That was the invitation where God said, find rest from the weight on your soul and the burden of trying to self-atone for your sins by doing all these good works. That was the, the invitation, find rest from receiving a full payment, a full atonement, for all your sins in the death of the Messiah Jesus. We get this rest by no longer being abandoned, but now becoming fully adopted as a son and a daughter of God. The rest from having every last sin blotted out of the record 
your personal record by the blood of Jesus. That was the rest of having every last sin no longer be remembered by God ever again, of having every last sin that we ever did cast behind God's back, and as he does, he casts it behind his back, and it goes down to the deepest sea. That was the greatest invitation to come and receive all that rest. And since that generation heard that direction that come from the mouth of the Lord Jesus, of God in Jesus, that was what made that generation the greatest generation. That generation that the Lord was referring to at verse 16 was the greatest generation because that was the generation that saw the greatest love of God. That was the generation that witnessed John 15, 13. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. That was the generation that saw with their own eyes John 3, 16. They saw that God so loved the world and he gave, they saw him, God, give his only begotten son and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That was the generation that saw the greatest display of love when God the Father so loved the world that he, sent, he gave God the Son to die for the sins of man and bring man from death into life, from darkness into light and from under the power of Satan to the liberty of being a child of God. This was the greatest generation because they saw the greatest love of God. That's the reason that generation was the greatest. Because of all the generations that lived, they saw the greatest display of the love of God. This is the generation that was the greatest because it was the generation that had the greatest responsibility to future generations. That was the generation like no other that had the responsibility to go to the world, the future generations, and to say, only they could say it, we saw. We saw him, we heard him, we know firsthand that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We saw and we heard and we tell you what we saw and heard so that you should turn like we have to him. That was the responsibility they had to the world. That was the greatest generation because that was the generation that had the greatest responsibility to go and tell the world what they had seen and heard. As the Lord told the disciples of John the Baptist in Luke 7.22, Luke 7.22, then Jesus answering said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. That was the generation that was the greatest because of all generations, that was the generation that had the greatest responsibility to go your way and tell what things you have seen and heard. So that was the greatest generation because that was the generation that should have felt the responsibility that the few disciples did feel, and they were the ones, the small group, were the ones who did say in Acts 4.20, Acts 4.20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. See, that was the greatest generation because they were supposed to be the generation of the evangelists who went to the rest of the world and said those words of Acts 4.20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now, although there were some which did respond to John the Baptist and did make themselves ready to receive the Lord Jesus. Although there were a few 
that were saved by the Lord Jesus, and they became this small group that's described in John 1.12, John 1.12, they were this small group of the as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For the most part, for the most part, this generation chose to go into the Matthew 7.13, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. For the most part, they were his own of John 1.11. John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. For the most part, their conclusion about Jesus was Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. For the most part, that was the response of that generation. For the most part, that generation were the citizens called his citizens in the parable of Luke 19.14, Luke 19.14, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. For the most part, that generation was the generation that cried out to Pilate in Luke 23.18, Luke 23.18, they cried out all at once saying, away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. For the most part, that generation were the majority of voices in John 1915, John 1915, but they cried out, away with him, crucify him. That was that generation. And that was the greatest generation because that was the generation that made the greatest rejection in history. Luke 1725, Luke 1725. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. That's what the Lord said about himself. He said he had to suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. That was the generation that officially rejected the Lord Jesus. And because of that, that was the greatest generation because they did the greatest rejection. That was the generation, the greatest generation because of their refusal to believe, their choice to not believe. That was the generation that would not believe Unless they kept seeing one sign after another, one sign after another, which meant that they were never going to believe. And the Lord, in frustration, said in Mark 8.11, Mark 8.11, the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. He sighed deeply in his spirit and saying, why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. That was the faithless generation with the greatest unbelief. And for that reason, it was the greatest generation because it was the greatest generation of unbelief. It was also the greatest generation of stubbornness. They were the most stubborn of all generations because they saw so many works. And the Lord Jesus said in regard to their stubbornness, John 10, 32, John 10, 32, Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father, for which of those works do you stone me? 
The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou being a man makest thyself God. All those good works that the Lord Jesus did pointed to the one fact, he's God, he's God, he's God. And they knew that. And yet that was the generation that was the most stubborn in their refusal to let those good works lead them to bow before Jesus as God. That was the most stubborn of generations that made him the greatest generation in their stubbornness. It was also the greatest generation because that was a generation that hardened their heart more than any other generation. They hardened their heart to not want to see poor, sick people healed if it meant that they were going to be healed by Jesus. Mark 3, 3. He saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. He saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he looked round upon them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. That was the greatest generation because that was the generation that hardened their heart more than any other generation. That was the greatest generation because of their rejection of and their stubbornness against and their hard-heartedness against the Lord Jesus, and that made that generation the most unworthy of generations. Matthew 22, 3. Matthew 22, 3. He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed. All things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and treated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. That was the greatest generation because that generation was the most unworthy of generations. So because that was the generation that had the greatest rejection of the Lord, the greatest unbelief, the greatest stubbornness, the greatest hard-heartedness, the greatest unworthiness, any generation, that made that generation the greatest generation because that was the generation with the greatest guilt of any generation. And that made that generation the greatest because that generation also with the greatest guilt was the generation with the greatest judgment, was the greatest judgment that was ever dealt out by God to man. And that's why the Lord said about the, that greatest generation that they had the greatest judgment coming in verses 20 through 24. Verses 20 through 24. Then began he to abrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Kerosene. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in you, which had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom, uh, for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, you will be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and the land in the day of judgment than for you. That was the greatest generation because this generation had the greatest shame of any other generation. 
and other generations would consequently rise up in the great judgment and condemn it because of the privileges and the advantages that they had over other generations. Like the men of Nineveh, who only had the prophet Jonah to guide them to repentance, to guide them to God, and they came to God, and it will be the men of Nineveh who will condemn this greatest generation because this generation didn't repent when they had the God of Jonas, Jonah the, preaching to them in Matthew 12.41. Matthew 12.41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The Queen of Sheba shall return to the stage again. And this time it'll be to the judgment stave, stage there. And she's going to look at this greatest generation and she'll rise in judgment against this greatest generation and condemn it because she's going to say, I came all the way from Ethiopia to sit and listen to the wisdom of King Solomon so I could change my life. And you, the greatest generation, have the God of Solomon in your backyard and you refuse to hear him, I condemn you. That's what's going to happen. Luke 11.31, Luke 11.31, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. That's what made this generation the greatest generation because it was the, the generation with the greatest judgment compared to other generations. Now, all of this is to say that this generation, this greatest generation, had the greatest judgment because they had the greatest advantages compared to any generation. It was the generation of advantages. They were the ones that had the advantage to see and hear the Lord, and that made their judgment the greatest because they didn't respond, and that's a great warning, a great warning to every person who knows the Bible, to every person who attends a good Bible-preaching church, to every person who hears good Bible preaching on the television or the radio or a Bible class, because the greater the light that a person has, the greater his responsibility to respond to that light. And this is all about response. And the greater his judgment will be if he refuses that light. Luke 12, 48, Luke 12, 48. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. This is the greatest generation because much more was given to this generation compared to other generations in what they saw and they heard directly from the Lord, and therefore they had the much more responsibility than any other generations, and therefore they had the responsibility to have much more response compared to other generations, and therefore they had much more judgment because they turned away from their responsibilities and their response. So after the Lord has struggled now with a way to communicate what this generation is like, how is he going to communicate that this generation has the greatest rejection, unbelief, stubbornness, hard-heartedness? And he's thinking about it here in verse 16. And all of a sudden, he has his eureka moment. He says, I know, I know just the best analogy, a parable to bring the point home about this generation. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.